0: Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. and I hope that whatever you're uh, going to be doing between here and the end of this weekend and tomorrow, that you have an opportunity uh, to spend some time honoring um, those who have fallen, those who are, are serving our country and our, our communities, and uh, make sure that you get a chance to certainly do that this weekend in the midst of the barbecuing, in the midst of whatever else that you do for Memorial Day. So Amago Day. Amago Day means what? Image of God, and we've been talking about this through the lens of Genesis chapter one as we've been going through this. And this particular uh, sermon this week, um, as Pastor Carlos mentioned, is, abs- is certainly PG-13. So parents, you may want to have your smaller kids in Echo this week. Um, if not, um, just you'll have a great conversation at lunchtime. Um, but honestly, no matter where you land on the spectrum, whether you are, are gay, straight, Um, trans, uh, Baptist, you're gonna be offended. This is going to be offensive to every single person here. So know that, and and know, know that I am not expecting anyone to say, oh, that just really ministered to my heart. I'm expecting you to punch me. So. If you are here, understand that what Scripture does is it, it actually calls all of us to say, this is what you think, and then this is what God thinks. And that should be something that is an equal opportunity offender. And so this is going to punch all of us in the throat. And uh, so just know that going in. If you have your Bibles, please turn in them to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to be getting there um, shortly. But this week, we are indeed talking about regarding the image of God, us being created the image of God, the gift of human sexuality, and we're going to be talking about, about the, the promise or, or the, the, just the amazing reality that we have, uh, the purpose of sexuality, the problem that we find in our sexuality, the promise therein, and then also the path of our sexuality. So starting off with with the promise, or the uh, the beautiful purpose of sexuality. And we see that the, the purpose of human sexuality is God's glory. As much as it seems like it's something for us humans, either to receive pleasure, or something for us humans to have babies, the ultimate purpose of human sexuality is God's glory. And we see this in Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one talks about this as we've been going through this passage over and over again. Um, But so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, Another word for subdue is like to, to steward it, to, take, to ca- take care of it, not oppress the world, but actually to, to be a blessing to it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You get to the next chapter in Genesis, cha- uh, Genesis, to Genesis chapter two, and it says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Okay, let's just pause here. At this point in the Genesis narrative, Adam is solo. Okay, he's single. He's not like meeting ladies. He's not checking Tinder. He's like alone. And his purpose at this point in the equation is to take care of the animal kingdom. God has did something with them that he didn't do with others. And what he did with them was he actually have male and female animals everywhere. So what Adam is doing, but God has called him to do, is to observe and take care of the animal kingdom. And everywhere he looks, they're being totally National Geographic with one another. Not Adam. Adam's like, So here I am in the garden. And that's it, right? Until God says this. This isn't right. And this isn't my ultimate plan. And so what God does is he takes from Adam and he makes Eve. And then this is the response that we see in Genesis. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife. This is the first kind of like... We see this historical account of what marriage is—that he was taken out of man; that man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. And so, here's what we see in what we see in the Genesis account: we see God receiving glory by the fact that it is fundamentally two different entities becoming one. We see Adam, we, we, we see in the garden, we see gender, and we, we see uniqueness, and we see intelligence and purpose. And in its purest form, our sex and our sexuality wasn't a chore. It wasn't something that was imposed upon someone. It's not oppressive or hurtful. It's actually something that's beautiful and good, and it was actually intended not just to have babies, but there's nerve endings involved here, so it's pleasurable. And, and a God, we, we serve a good God, and this good God makes... Sex good. And so it's something that again is the whole point of this is that this is something God gives mankind as a gift, and that gift is intended to give him glory, first and foremost, through this shared activity of these two separates, this this man and this woman who are distinct. We see in the garden the celebration of difference and diversity as this person who's who's maybe more inclined to uh, towards a uh, stronger sex drive, and this person who's more inclined towards a relational dynamic actually have to partner and surrender to one another in order for this to work. It's pr- amazing and beautiful and wonderful, but it's just as much as the purpose of our sexuality is God's glory and it's just as much as we see that really showcasing in Genesis 1 and ch- in Genesis chapter 2. Do you know what happens that ruins all of this? Do you know what happens after Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2? Right, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 happens. And what happens with Genesis chapter 3 is that all of a sudden sin comes in and breaks and poisons everything. Not just sexuality. Everything is tweaked from that point on and everyone is messed up with that from that point on. Which is the problem of our sexuality. Our, uh, the problem with our, sexual, our sexuality is that every single person, our sexual self-awareness is handicapped by the brokenness we were born into, we were born into a brokenness that has impacted everyone, not just one people group, not just one demographic, not just one orientation, this is a people thing. All of us are born into this brokenness. And so what ends up happening is that we, um, we basically come to a place of saying it's natural for us to believe that our strongest internal messaging and drive is actually the truest reality about us. Let me say that again. It's natural for us to believe that our strongest internal messaging and drive is actually the truest statement about us. And we're wrong. All of us, every single one of us is wrong. Because what we end up doing is this. As humanity, we end up saying everything in life is going to be a choose your own adventure. And what is the truest drive and messaging within me is the actual account of that adventure. Paul responds to this in in this letter that I told you to turn to, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He's talking to a church in Corinth, and he's relating—this is a single guy speaking, by the way. He's a single guy who's not having sex, but he's speaking into the reality that, look, Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 is great, but Genesis, Genesis chapter 3 happened. And I'm not talking about anyone outside of the church. I'm not talking about anyone who's not a Christian. Paul's saying, I'm talking to those who are followers of Christ, who are still saying, You know what? I I can do whatever I want. I've got the right to do whatever I want with my body. And he says this in chapter 6, verse 12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I've got the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Look, if our bodies were given to us as gifts, to honor God with. And basically when we come to the concept of sexuality, it's not a choose your own adventure any longer. And that is a challenge to all of us. Because what Paul is relating this to is to hunger and like appetite. And when, when, when we're hungry for something, when we're jonesing for Arby's or whatever it is that we're jonesing for, when we, we say I'm hungry for this, therefore I should feed that hunger. And Paul is saying, we do this with all of our, our decisions. And this isn't, again, this is all of our story. And so when we think about this, just with regard into the sexual dynamic, or even the gender dynamic, this is something that impacts all of us. And for far too long, um, heterosexual Christians have thought, this is something that, oh, that, this, is a, this is a gay issue. Like, they need to read this passage, but not us. Whoa! You need to know something. The Bible says five or six things about homosexuality, which means God has an opinion on the matter for sure. But look at the rest of what we see in Scripture, which is, again, looking the heterosexuals in the face saying, you guys ain't got it right either. What we see is this. We see that our sexual self-awareness is handicapped, and that's something that that is longstanding. So if you're heterosexual, like I am, um, you may be inclined from as far back as you can imagine, to have sex with someone who's not your spouse? If you're heterosexual, you may, as, soon as, as far back as, as adolescence, your earliest romantic desires were to have sex, and maybe a lot of sex, with people who you weren't married to. And you may still be in that situation. Did you choose that? Did you choose an inclination to wanna have sex with someone who's not your spouse? No, it's, just like, it's kinda like it's always been there.